Welcome back, folks. This is the Bless Your Boys podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Day. I'm the staff writer and editor at blessyourboys.com. We've got a pretty good guest for you tonight. Uh, many longtime readers of the site will know him from his, his former work at Bless Your Boys. Um, he also runs the Detroit Tigers minor league tracker page on Facebook. Um, you can follow him on Twitter as well. Um, always out there covering the Tigers minor league system and cover, looking into prospects, the draft, all this sort of thing. Um, we're happy to welcome him back, Keaton Carter. And we'll get right into the conversation. Yeah. So, I mean, in general, how did you how did you kind of view the Tigers offseason? I mean, from my perspective, I was a little bit um, salty. I kind of feel like it's my role to push them to spend a little bit by this point. So I did. Um, some people on the site were kind of getting tired of that. But, you know, we're about at that point. You know, they've uh, they've been terrible for four, four years and basically, you know, five of the last six. Um, it feels like it's about go time as we're seeing the pitching prospects reach the uh, reach the upper levels here and finally make their way into the show. So, um, yeah, I mean, what did you think about the offseason signings in general? Well, I mean, they they spent a little bit of money, but they didn't acquire any long-term free agent chips. You know what I mean? What they acquired yeah. were short-term potential trade chips and and some guys with some some experience as major leaguers um, to have around, which is good. I mean, that's refreshing to see like bona fide major league baseball players on the roster. Yeah, some of them, change. some of them young. Yeah. 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 You know, a couple guys with a little bit of upside and power profile and some guys who like to draw a walk a little bit. Um, but I, I kind of made a joke cause I, I happened to snap a shot of, of Fetter and, and Lombard and, and AJ Hinch all standing <laughs> next to each other at the dugout. That's really like, that's our, that's our off season acquisition right there is just a change in regime and a change in mentality. Um, and I think, we're starting to feel that during spring training is some of these position battles are, are taking on a different uh, feeling than they have in the past. These are some meaningful position battles and the best players are headed to Detroit. So that's a, that's a pseudo step in the right direction, right? Yep. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I like Mazzara and I like Nunez for just for that reason, because there's more upside there than there was with, you know, even Jonathan scope, but, you know, picking up, you know, Cameron Maybin, um, Ivan Nova, like some, some of the guys that they've picked up the last three or four years, Tyson Ross, Matt Moore. Yeah. Just guys there, you know, to sort of fill a, fill a hole and, you know, didn't really have any chance um, for a breakout. So getting some guys who at least have, you know, one plus or double plus tool that you could maybe, you know, see a guy breaking out. Um, we always like to reference JD Martinez because something like that never happens, but, uh, you know, you never know, maybe lightning could strike twice. I mean, uh, trader Al here seems to be, um, just, just cleaning up in the rule five draft. Um, we'll get to Mr. Badu, but I know we're both, um, relatively excited about what we've seen from him so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess my disappointment is that, you know, they actually lowered the payroll, um, going into this, this season. Um, and that part of it does still kind of irk me, but, um, but by the same token, yeah, I, I actually think the the caliber of players that they got is a little more interesting. Um, we're seeing a lot from Julio Tehran lately. I mean, just seeing him up a couple miles per hour from where he's been really the last three seasons um, and his stuff just dancing all over the place has been, um, been pretty exciting. But again, another guy who you wish that we had for two years, you know, um, rather than, you know, if things go well, we're just going to end up flipping him in July anyway. So little bit of a little bit of, tr- of a trick there but yeah I mean I think the, the whole thing comes down to Hinch, Fetter, Lombard and those guys um, Juan Nieves um, having an impact you see that in some of the signings that they've made you know they're they're Nieves guys um, you know Scott Coolball worked with Nomar Mazzara last year and you know picking him up and bringing him in 
um, you know, you're seeing that kind of impact, but you're also seeing, you know, I don't, I haven't seen it as much as you because we haven't seen as many games televised, haven't been to the stadium, but the vibe just feels different. Um, like watching the way AJ Hinch is sort of pitting guys who are in the, in similar bands of, um, you know, where they might fit into the roster, pitting them sort of against each other, you know, like having Lang come in to relieve for Joe Jimenez, um, some things like that. You just feel like a more competitive vibe Um, and also challenging guys with where they're playing. Like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put you in a weird situation, make you play out of position and, you know, and just see how it goes for you. Just, just to see what options I have Um, that, that sort of experimentation that maybe we didn't see as much with the garden hire regime. Yeah, I mean, the Eric Hassan playing so much left field is curious with all the outfielders that are still in camp. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, yeah, I think we're just, I think AJ Hinch thinks more like we do. Maybe that's why we like him so much. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's true. He might just be fulfilling uh, our, our desires here, but hopefully we're all right, right? It's, you know, it's AJ Hinch. That's good company. Yeah, I, I mean, Garden Hire, you know, and I don't want to bash Ron Garden Hire. He is what he is. But he, he's a perfect guy to, to oversee a tank. Yeah. I mean, we, Hey Ron, we're going to lose on purpose for the next three years. Can you, can you teach some of these guys how to be major leaguers? You know, just show them around the clubhouse a little bit, right? Handle the media. Yep. And now AJ Hinch is really trying to sort of instill this, this winning mentality, this winning culture, and this is how we're going to do things. And these are the type of players we're after and this type of profile we're looking for. And maybe Al's kind of, kind of handing over the reins a little bit in a lot of those decisions, I hope. Yeah. Um, I I think, um, you know, some of my natural tendency to criticize them for the way they're assembling the roster is just muted by the fact that, okay, AJ Hinch is there now. You know, I know we know it's not that, you know, the Tigers are, are total morons, you know, like we can come across that way sometimes, but no one really thinks that they're just, um, you know, they've just been relatively conservative, um, you know, non-aggressive in a lot of ways and, you know, pretty content to just, you know, tank it out for the last couple of years. Um, and so, yeah, seeing just a little bit more of that vibe of competitiveness and, you know, and knowing that you have those eyes on these players, you know, it just gives you a little bit more confidence in the decisions that are going to be made over the um, the next two weeks. And, um, you know, what I've noticed um, in particular, you and what I've been appreciating about you on Twitter is you going around schooling everyone on the uh, the procedural, you know, rules here that uh, that tend to impact, you know, the way the roster shapes up over the final couple of weeks more than more than people sometimes think, you know, um, you know, you look at Alex Lang getting set down and people, you know, people are mad about that. You know, why Alex Lang's looked much better than Joe Jimenez and, and numerous other guys who are still pitching. But of course, some of these guys are non-roster invites. Um, you know, some of these guys are on minor league deals, all that sort of plays into, you know, the timing of when you have to make decisions on guys. Um, yeah. So yeah, and you're well-versed yeah. in all that. Well, I'm not, I mean, I still consider myself a novice. I've, I've really been trying to pay attention to it a lot more this year. Eddie, Eddie Bajak, who is, oh, yeah. he's, he's, he's the man with that. He, he has a comprehensive file that he has shared with me that kind of maps out all this stuff. And I, and I'm just constantly sidebarring him and asking him questions about that. But I think the important thing to remember here is this, this concept of, of running a baseball team. It is a business and it's not just about the big name free agent contracts, like every little roster move you make has financial implications, whether it's a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars. And there's lots of complicated stipulations in these contracts and dates on the calendar that decisions have to be made. And, and, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're Chris Illich, you're a billionaire, you want your business run officially, you want your money spent responsibly. And so some of these decisions aren't just about, 
the 41 players who are left in camp going at it, trying to win a roster spot. There's lots of other things behind the scenes that, that cost money if, if they're not adhered to properly. And um, that's what Alex Lang and, and, and Matt Manning and, um, there was a, there was somebody else. Oh, Franklin Perez. They had that deadline where they had to be optioned by a certain date or else if something happens and they get hurt, they have to be added to the, the major league injured list. And that starts service time and it costs money to pay them major league salaries. And so if you're, if your roadmap for Matt Manning this year, all along was that you're going to start him off in Toledo because you're going to manage his innings account and you want him to work on that slider a little bit yeah. more. And let's face it, the month of April and even sometimes May, like the April 1st active roster isn't really that important. Right. April is, is usually spent waiting to see who gets hurt the first couple of weeks and letting some of these, some of these fringe players iron out who's really going to be on the roster for the duration of the season. So procedurally, yeah. the best thing to do was to option Alex Lang and Matt Manning and Franklin Perez, even if they were lighting things on fire yeah which yeah. Lang? yeah lang was um and manning was as well um mm-hmm. perez less so <laughs> correct uh, we, we won't talk about that i don't we're just gonna have to give him some time and just see what happens there um you know he, he looks much like he always has but um he's just got to get he's got to get some velo back and we'll see if, if that happens and if it does and he can stay healthy then we can we can start talking about him seriously again mm-hmm. but yeah things are complicated also by the fact that you know so many guys were delayed by the you know the covid intake protocols as well like they, you know they haven't really even gotten much of a good look at Renato Nunez or Nomar Mazzara um you know Jonathan Scope has only you know featured in i think three games so far maybe four so, you know, they've got guys like that, that they need to give lots of it at bats to um, over the final weeks. And that's what this comes down to is that they're building up the starters. Now um, people need to realize like, you know, early in spring camp, you can pretty much just pitch anybody you want all the time. But at this point, you know, they're narrowing it down to, you know, six guys maybe for the rotation that are still in competition. They want to see those guys try to go four and five innings. Now that cuts into how many relief spots you have. Um, they need a B's for the guys who they know are going to start all that stuff starts, you know, chipping into it. So, you know, they probably saw enough out of Alex Lang. Um, you know, we kind of mentioned this um, in our chat earlier. They probably saw enough out of Alex Lang to know what they think about him at this point. You know, it's, you know, the stuff has taken a big leap forward. Um, we saw Fangraph's new Tigers prospect list come out today and they got him, I think, 11th. Um, whereas, you know, he was, you know, in the, in the late 20s um, for us and, you know, for anybody who didn't see him in this camp um, and put their list out in advance. So, you know, they, um, you know, they've probably got an idea that they, he's a guy that they're going to try this year. Um, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily behoove you anything to, um, yeah, to accidentally lock him into the major league roster with, uh, with some kind of an injury or something like that. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt he's going to pitch in Detroit relatively soon. I, yeah, you, I, I saw him come out. I'm like, who is this dude? You know <laughs> what I mean? Cause yeah. he's just a big, he's a big dude and he's throwing fire and he throws at 85. 586 126 curveball 85 mile an hour curveball that's a hard curveball that's it's a Lance McCullers looking curveball yeah yeah kind of so, is. so he's got a place I think he's if he stays healthy he's he's got a place in that bullpen this year it'll be fun to watch yeah yeah you know still another guy with a little bit of effort and a little bit of a stiff delivery that you don't love necessarily for his, his command but um based on you know who the Tigers have you know he, he does look like he's got to be in their top four or five arms down there um especially among the right-handers because we're we're pretty pretty thin in terms of right-handers it's pretty much uh, Jose Cisnero um you know Buck Farmer didn't have a good last year last year dealt with the groin strain 
um, hasn't looked outstanding so far, you know, in the spring. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's quite a few uh, issues like that. There's, there's not a lot of right-handed depth going on right now. Um, yeah, the Garcia brothers, we haven't really seen. <laughs> yeah. Brian Garcia, Ronnie Garcia, Brian Garcia, not at all. Right. Uh, um, he had appendectomy. So. Yeah, that's right. So he's, yeah, he's still just on the men from that. So, um, and Brian Garcia has looked okay. Um, you know, still, still a guy who really needs to be sharp. You know, he doesn't, doesn't have that one standout pitch. He's kind of got three, you know, maybe above average pitches um, that he's working with. So he's got to be sharp to, to look his best. Um, all right. Well, let, let's get to um, some of the decisions that, the, that they're going to have to make and start with our, um, our favorite topic of the last few weeks, which is Akil Badu. Um, the Tigers picked him up in the rule five draft. Um, he was, you know, not unknown as a prospect um, with the twins. It kind of feels like one of those situations where because he was out with an injury so long, they hope to sneak him through perhaps, um, you know, picking a guy who hadn't been above high a and had only briefly been there and then was injured, didn't get to play it all last year. Um, it feels a little bit like a smart move in, in the way that, you know, trying, if you're trading with a team, trying to pluck someone young, um, who, who has a lot more upside is often the way to go because teams evaluate the prospects so much more, you know, in the same band than they used to because of the amount of, you know, publicly available metrics to every, every team, you know, they all know what they're looking at with the guys who are in the upper levels. Um, whereas, you know, if, if you pluck kind of a wild card like that, you might hit, you know, hit the jackpot and the Tigers look like they might've done so. Uh, yeah, maybe I mean, lots of tools. I guess he can't throw. I haven't really seen him throw, but he, I know he's a, he's a Tommy John guy, I think. So yeah. and the, the arm has been, uh, not heralded, Yeah, but, um, you know, and he's look, he's, he's gonna, this isn't sustainable what he's doing here in spring training, obviously, right. I don't think, I mean, no, probably not. Yeah. anything can happen, but, um, this is, this is small sample size success. We'd like to see the power. We'd like to see the walks. What I'm seeing out of his approach is that it seems like he's taking till he gets two strikes, like every plate appearance. So yep. that's maybe that's how he always approaches it. Um, that'll catch up to you against major leaguers, just trying yeah. to battle with two strikes every time. Um, but he's seeing that that enables him to see a lot of pitches. Yeah. And um, he's had great success with his two strike approach going the other way, showing some power to the pole side. We know he can run. So yeah, it's, it's an exciting. It's about as exciting as it gets for a rule five guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, the outfield is one of the places in the Tigers farm system where they're not real deep. You know, there's, um, there's a couple of young guys like Jose De La Cruz, you know, obviously Campos eventually will come over, but you know, other than that, it's pretty much Riley green, Daz Cameron and, you know, however you feel about playing, you know, Bryant Packard possibly in the outfield, if things work out for him, there's, there's not a whole lot going on there. Um, you know, Derek Hill still, still around, you know, as, as a potential like role type player, um, you know, a guy that you could see an actual good team want around as their 26 man to kind of Jared Dyson things up for him a little bit, um, run the bases, throw him into the ninth inning as a defensive replacement, th those sorts of things, but there isn't a whole lot going on. So I mean, I've been telling people to kind of think about it two ways. Like, you know, don't, don't think about Akil Badu as, you know, as a major leaguer yet. Think about him as a prospect that we just landed and that you're going to want to hang on to because there just isn't much better than him in the upper minors. Um, so, you know, think of it two ways. It's great to get him from that perspective. And it's also don't, yeah, don't go expecting him to have some kind yeah. of monster season for us. And um, he's 22, um, you know, he's, he's probably got, 
oh god i don't know but maybe like 800 pro ab's at this point all of them in a ball um yeah guys like that don't just like blow up in your face too often so right yeah Derek Hill had a great spring. I mean, mm-hmm. by all measures, he did everything you could ask of him to do. He didn't hit the cover off the ball, but he hit a little bit. He he did what he does in the outfield, ran the bases really well. I think he impressed AJ Hinch. Hinch had really good things to say about him when they optioned him yesterday. Yep. Uh, but the success Badu had really eliminated any chance of Hill making the team, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, you know, he he he's a useful reserve outfielder. I'm, I'm sure if somebody gets hurt, he's kind of a guy that can come up and fill in he's gonna he's gonna help the pitchers out and not embarrass himself at the plate at this point in his career but doesn't look like uh, he doesn't look like the leadoff hitter first round draft pick from 2014 that you thought he would turn out to but most most of these guys don't turn out to be superstars yeah. so <laughs> yeah yeah taking those taking those prep players unless it's just the odd you know carlos correa bryce harper type guy you know it's it there's always just way more risk involved and um sometimes you get a bust i i didn't mind them picking him at the time and there's no reason to have regrets like you know you gotta gotta try those things mm-hmm. once in a while um he did you know he did do the right thing and go to doug lotta this offseason and you know try to just try to work on his swing um try to improve his mechanics a little bit and we'll see if that that plays out um, in in the minor leagues this season. But it kind of he's kind of a good example of the type of guy that you would like, to, you know, you would like to be able to just stash him for another year and just see if anything happens. You know, you, you want to keep hanging on those guys. But what's happened this spring is, you know, it just feels like we finally got to the point where this is an actual, you know, major league baseball roster, and you actually start to have some real decisions rather than just like you know the last 10 spots go to, you know, whoever's whatever warm body is still functioning, you know, by the end of camp. So mm-hmm. yeah, we, we are at least reaching that point. And I think the complication of, of making some of these decisions actually feels good. Um, you know, we've even, you know, writing about it, we've kind of cruised the last couple of years because there just wasn't any, you know, wasn't any tough calls. Um, you know, you always had a lot more information, obviously missing the minor league season all last year is going to make us wrong about a lot of things. Um, there's going to be players who improve that we didn't see. There's going to be guys who didn't improve. And now all of a sudden they're 18 months on from the last time we saw them in live action. And you're like, Oh, it's over. You know, it's, it's not working out for them. Um, and, you know, speaking in terms of, of a guy who it's not working out for, let's uh, let's address Joe Jimenez for a second. Cause there's been a whole bunch of discussion um, in the comment threads I saw yesterday about Joe Jimenez. Do you, I mean, do you kind of think it's over for Joe? I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm not a hundred percent there yet, but it, I think we're at the point where you can't really, can't really guarantee him a roster spot, obviously. And, uh, and I just don't know when things are going to change for him or how at, the, at this point. I think it's over for Joe. But yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, oh, I didn't think that coming into the spring, but he looks awful. And yeah. unless he, unless there's something wrong with something physically wrong with him, if that's what he's got, then I don't see that playing at the major league level anymore, which is unfortunate. I mean, I feel the same way about Kristen Stewart too, coming into the spring, like uh, everybody get rid of Stewart, get rid of Stewart. I'm like, hold, hold on. There's still a power profile there. He hasn't accessed it yet, but maybe, maybe yep. he needs another 150 plate appearances or something like that. And now it's just like, man, if he can't hit the ball over the fence and walk, he brings no values. And, and there's just all these other outfielders. We're talking about Derek Hill. We haven't even talked about Daz Cameron. And, and we got these, these free agent signings, which hopefully one or two are trade pieces. I don't know, but. Uh, where's where's Kristen Stewart fit in he's the sixth seventh eighth outfielder in the depth chart now like I don't see how yeah I don't see where he or Joe 
And I, that's how I feel about Joe too. It's just like, there's, there's, there's guys that I, who can come in and, and, and do a more adequate job than what, what he can do at this point, I think. Yeah. Yep. You know, and in Kristen's case, obviously he just, he's never done it. You know, it's a little different with Joe because he has, but it is also almost sort of a simple equation with Joe as well, because if he's, if he's not throwing 95, 96 and, and locating it, um, he's just got nothing. You know, the, the, the sliders has always been kind of hit or miss. He's a live and die by the fastball type guy. And yeah, it's, uh, it's just pretty hard to see how you keep him around right now. Um, just hasn't really come together. But once again, that leaves, you know, that does leave another hole in the bullpen that I don't really see a great replacement for other than Alex Lang. So I guess we'll, uh, we'll see what the Tigers think about that long term. Let's, uh, let's switch it over to the rotation real quick. Um, you know, we all know Spencer Turnbull's, you know, got a spot. Matt Boyd is going to have a spot, whether you, you know, 100% think he's, he deserves to have kind of a lockdown spot. Has pitched pretty well this spring, I think. Um, let's just address Boyd real quick. I mean, how much, how much hope do you have for him to be able to get back and just be the guy he was, say, from 2016 to 2018, where he was a, you know, a basically league, league average pitcher who was durable, um, you know, could, could go out there and get you six, five, six innings most games and, and took the ball whenever you called for him. Um, do you think he can get back to that, that point? Or I don't know, are we at the point where Matt Boyd is, uh, is kind of skating on thin ice right now, especially because I think he's the second highest paid tiger going into the season. I mean, I don't think he's skating on thin ice as it relates to this season, I think, but I think he's, he's slipping to the bottom of the rotation of a second division team. Yeah. I mean, he looked, I, mean I think he's the number four or five on this team. Yeah, the, the way I'm looking at it, uh, to me, it's it's Turnbull and Scooble maybe piggybacking with someone, mm-hmm. and maybe Daniel Norris if they let him start, which you don't think they will, and in your in your rationale for that makes sense. Um, and Julio Teron, like, yeah, I, I think I think these are better pitchers than Matt Boyd is. Yeah, Julio Teron, I mean, has has really impressed. Um, you know, it's we, we talk an awful lot about guys stuff because it's easier to quantify than like makeup or command. But when you have a guy who has the makeup and the command and has displayed it for, you know, an eight year major league career already. And then you see him get a velocity bump of, uh, you know, two to three miles per hour on his fastball. Um, he's also a, you know, a, a, a serious seam shifted weight guy. Like he's, he's one of those guys who long before that, you know, that concept came along to explain what he was doing. He was doing it like all of his pitches move, in ways that the the spin out of the hand wouldn't lead you to predict. And, um, and he's tough on hitters that way. So if you get a little bit of a velocity bump there and you've got a guy that can use that, use that stuff, you know, work hitters over on the outside of the plate with, you know, the, the straight fastball, that's a strike and then make them chase the two seamer that runs off and then make them chase the changeup that runs even further off and locate all three of them. Um, he's a pleasure, pleasure to watch pitch. Um, if people out there like guys like, you know, Kenta Maeda, Zach Grinky, Kyle Hendricks, um, Julio Tehran can look like that when he's going very well. And yeah, it's pretty hard not to look at him as, you know, the, the second or third best guy in this rotation right now. Yeah. He, he knows what he's doing for yeah. sure. And, and, and all that said, like, I don't think Matt Boyd is Jordan Zimmerman. Like, I don't think he's a, 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 a detriment. Yeah. I, I just don't think he's like the anchor weeks, like the bridge to the, to the Mize Manning school rotation that we, we thought he would be. Yeah. That's all. Who could be? Uh, who could possibly be happier that the ball has been deadened going into the season than Matt, Matt Boyd? <laughs> I mean, you look at his, you know, his strikeout to walk numbers. You know, and 
I'm sure just about everybody listening to this knows what they're doing with all this. Um, and it doesn't need it explained to them, but you know, you start out with, with either pitchers or hitters and it's strikeouts, walks and home runs. Like that's, that's the basis for how you start evaluating any of them analytically. And, um, Matt Boyd still looks great from a strikeout to walk perspective. He just keeps getting bombed on. Um, and it, it gives you the impression of a guy who hitters are picking things up on, you know, there's just something lacking in the deception there. Um, you know, it's been pointed out a few times. I, I can't remember who, who it was on Twitter, but brought this up that he had one of the, the highest divergences between the release point of his fastball and his slider last year. And, um, you know, dropping down to get that slider, that horizontal action, and maybe, you know, maybe just too obvious that way. So, yeah, there, I still think there are things that Matt Boyd can do, um, even even leaving aside the possibility that the ball just won't fly as far, because I don't know how much you trust um, Major League Baseball to dial the ball back by, you know, some tiny coefficient that will allow it to fly three to four feet less far, um, which is what they're what they're claiming that they've done. Um, I don't know. It, it could be real weird. I mean, if the ball it just happens to be real dead this year. Um, it's just going to turn the tables over, which is why I would, I would prefer that they stop messing with this kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think that was, I think it might've been Cody Stavenhagen who was all over Boyd's release points. Um, but you know, he's a pro, he's a pro, he's going to take the ball and he'll give you five, five, six innings. Probably the majority of the time he's going to have some situations where he goes it's two and two thirds and we got to go to somebody like Tyler Alexander yeah. or, may, or maybe a, a Norris or Arania or something like that to, to kind of, to, to, in a long relief swing man type thing. Yeah. Yeah. There will be times where he gets blown up. Um, yeah. There will be times when Tarek Skubal gets blown up. I, I think, for sure. I think we probably got a, a good glimpse of what, um, you know, the next year or two is might be like for Tarek Skubal in that, he's going to overpower people and, and dominate at times, but he's also going to waste pitches um, until the command, you know, takes another step forward. And he's a guy like early Verlander who is going to give up just a ton of foul balls in the air. You know, there's going to be those ABs where guys foul off, you know, six, seven pitches. Um, and when you get your weak contact on, you know, foul balls in the air rather than on weak grounders, you know, you can get worn down and, um, and there's going to be outings like that where he's just, you know, really not efficient. And even if he looks good and punches out not all nine guys, he faces, he might only go three innings sometimes. And Spencer Turnbull's dealt with that as well. And still sure. dealing with that a little, I'm not sure he's graduated from that. He's got mm-hmm. he, where you're like three brilliant innings. And the next thing, you know, he's in the fifth inning and it's at 96 pitches and you're like, uh Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And he's a lot older. So yeah, you never know when they're going to get over that or, or if they will. Um, and then, yeah. Okay. So I think we've got a pretty good lock on. Yeah. Turnbull, Boyd, Scooble, Tehran. And then you come to the final decision and you actually realize like the Tigers do have a lot of choices here. Um, I mean, I I've made the point. Yeah. That Daniel Norris, you know, probably it's not, it's not necessarily in his best interest or the team's best interest to move him back into a starting role right now, just because, He's obviously, you know, a trade chip at this point. He's going to going to hit free agency at the end of the year. The Tigers are going to deal him um, in July. And unless something has really changed to the point where you really think Daniel Norris is going to go out there and, and dominate, you know, as a starter, like have like really, really, you know, consistent five and six innings, strong outings. I mean, he's probably more valuable um, to other teams as a reliever or as, you know, sort of a, a three inning, you know, slash Andrew Miller, you bring him in, you know, whenever you need, you know, a jam stopped all that sort of stuff. I mean, he is kind of a weapon. That's, that's the term that AJ Hinch has used for him. And then you've got, 
you know, yeah, Jose Arana, you've got um, Derek Holland has been shockingly good, um, shockingly good. And, uh, and Tyler Alexander, any one of those guys could, you know, could be kind of a, a fifth, sixth starter type. Um, right now, who, who do you sort of favor? Is it, is it Arana just because they signed him to a, a major league deal? I mean, that's, that's how I'm looking at it right now. Probably, probably. Um, and, and I like Arana a lot. I, yeah. I, I think he's a lot like Tehran where they just have a presence about a major league pitcher presence about, about him. Yeah. Um, Knows what he's doing out there. Not scared out there. Yeah. At all. Aggressive. Um, yeah. Has, has some swagger. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. It'll probably be very experimental in April. And I don't know if there will be a defined fifth starter coming out of camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have no idea. Like yeah. you said, there's so many different directions they can go with that. And, and I, and I agree with you about Norris, just to think if you're a contending team in July, if he does what he did in 2020, like that's, that's a, that's an attractive piece for somebody who's trying to make a run at a pennant. Yep. So to, it, it's risky to, to move him into a full-time starting role. And we don't know if he's going to have that level of success. We don't know if he has that level of durability. He hasn't had durability over his career. Yep. Um, Cody was talking on his podcast that Verlander told him about the groin injury. Like you're not going to be right for two years. Yeah. So he dealt with that for a long time. Maybe he's completely over that now and we don't have to worry about Daniel Norris's durability, but until we see him consistently go out there for a full season, then we have to be a little skeptical, I think. Yeah. He's a weird case because um, you know, he's just never had any arm trouble. Um, which is bizarre for a pitcher who everyone would consider, you know, pretty severely injury prone, even if that's, you know, just bad luck injuries really. Um, but, you know, one bad groin tear. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like, you know, they had to, they had to go back in the second year in 2018 and have a second surgery to, to scope that out and clean up the scar tissue. Um, those injuries are, are brutal. Um, you know, th- that's tough to come back from and it won't, and that's the type of injury that you won't really see any result from until a guy is out there going, you know, 80, 90 pitches. And maybe that's when, you know, it all just breaks down for him. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm shy of, uh, of moving him back to the rotation. And I think everyone, you know, everyone likes Daniel Norris. I think most of us sort of in our group, um, loves Daniel Norris. Like everyone would love to see Daniel Norris succeed. We'd all like to see him return to a starting role, you know, eventually and sort of fulfill that early promise. Cause it was derailed, you know, for, for a couple of years, I don't think the Tigers necessarily handled that all that well at the time either. Um, so yeah, it just seems like it's a, it's a bit of a push to, um, to move him back to the rotation right now, although he does look good, but yeah, having a, having a weapon like that, a guy who can, you know, bring it 94 with, you know, riding action, a lefty who has a good changeup, um, you know, that that's, a, that's a valuable piece for any bullpen. Um, so, and he'll, he should be a valuable piece for the Tigers bullpen. We kind of got a, a, a wealth of lefties down there because <laughs> the way Holland's pitched, I don't really, I don't really know what they're going to do with Derek Holland, but it's kind of odd to have three lefty starters in your bullpen, basically, um, which is what it's looking like. And then Greg Soto just throwing fire and hoping we know where it's going. Um, but that's a that's a pretty good team of lefties down in the bullpen. Plus the spin master, Ian Kroll. Oh, the spin master. That's true. You never know. You'll, we'll see if he uh, finds his way to AAA again. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, I, Holland's going to make the team. I, I he's pitched his way onto the team. I'm fairly sure, uh, certain of that. I mean, at some point we're going to have to talk about who, who comes off the 40 man for Holland and Tehran. Yeah. Um, Cause we've got, we've got Fado and we've got Wentz and they're going to come off, but that's not enough. <laughs> I don't, I don't think they're coming off. 
Well, they're going to go on the 60. Well, they have to go on the 60 day IL and then you can add two. Well, they already, they already optioned them. So I, they would have to activate them and then move them to the 60. And by optioning them, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to pull them off the 40. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll, there's plenty of DFA candidates sure. um, where, where they, if they don't want to start the service time of those two guys, they don't have to. Um, but we've got, we got three spots at least we have to create for Tehran, Holland, and if not at the beginning of camp, sometime in April, Renato Nunez. Yeah. So, yeah, they could, they could slow play Nunez, I suppose, for a little while. And it might not be a bad idea um, just to get him some work because he's, you know, he just got here. So, yeah, we'll have to see how they handle that. And, um, okay. And then the final guy in the mix there that we, um, that we haven't talked about yet is Casey Mize. Um, obviously, the numbers haven't been great. You know, in, in the spring, they weren't great last season um, in 2020, you know, made what nine or 10 short starts didn't do all that well. Um, how, how are you feeling about him though? I mean, are you, are you in any way concerned long-term about Casey Mize um, or, or do you feel pretty much like how you always have about Casey Mize at this point? Uh, I, I'm mildly concerned. I'm mildly yeah. concerned. Uh, you know, we, we talk about how he came out of college as this master of command right? Mm -hmm. Which wasn't his doing. That's labels everybody else put on him. And now he's going through this prospect development process that most pitchers have to go through, but it is baffling because he has really good stuff in so many pitches that, and he's throwing 96, touching 97 at times. You'd think like, occasionally he would be able to just get by on having some stuff and he's just not, yeah. he's, he's getting, he's getting lit up pretty much every time out and he's walking people, which is bizarre. Like command is one thing, but he's never walked people. He's always thrown strikes. So he's yeah. probably putting a lot of pressure on himself. He's trying to be perfect. He's probably working on some things also that, you know, that maybe he he's doing some things a little differently in spring training than he would in an actual competitive game, just because he wants to work on throwing certain pitches and certain counts to certain hitters. I don't know, but yeah, the fact that his pure stuff isn't, isn't proving good enough to get hitters out consistently right now is mildly concerning to me. Is it to you? Um, I don't think I'm that concerned. No, like maybe just a little bit. I mean, I guess some of this comes down to where you, where you start from. And, you know, I was, I was never a Casey Mize guy, um, you know, in the first place that he wasn't the guy I wanted him to draft. And I've kind of always looked at him as like, you know, a guy who would probably be, you know, at his best, like have like a Lance McCullers type career or something like that. You know, like a guy who tends to be injury prone, probably never gives you more than 150 innings, but at his best is, is pretty dominant. Um, and you just don't get as much of that as you want. And I still, I still feel like all that's in play. Uh, you know, from what I've seen, it, it looked a lot like uh, I was never hitting college itis to me. Um, you know that he, you know, he's always been the, you know, the man. Um, part of the reason he was drafted where he was, though, and part of the reason his draft stock was high, as you know, is because he was so advanced. It wasn't because the potential to be, you know, the next Justin Verlander, which is unfortunately the way too many Tigers fans who are, you know, kind of more casual fans will kind of read taking a pitcher one, one, um, he was, he was never really slated to be that guy. He's much more of a, of a command and control type of pitcher. And I do wonder, you know, seeing him throw 96, 97 with that much effort in his delivery. I just wonder if he's just overdoing it and he should just chill. You know, he, he might just need to, 
just throw the ball where it needs to go and stop worrying about, you know, some of the metrics, um, which is funny for me to say, because I'm a metric guy, of course, in a lot of ways, but, um, but, you know, you can't have that stuff in your head out there when you're competing and you just wonder, you know, if he isn't trying to be too perfect, um, you know, had never gotten hit around. I guess the one place where it does concern me is that in 2019, when he was with the, the Erie Seawolves, he looked really, to me, he looked like a better pitcher than he does right now in, in a lot of ways. And basically ever since he had that shoulder inflammation and got shut down late in 2019 and then came back and got hit around a few times, he hasn't, he hasn't looked the same guy. Um, he, he doesn't spot the fastball. He, he was even having trouble with that at, at Erie when he was going well. He didn't look as good as he had in college to some degree. But, uh, but it feels like it's gotten worse since that point. So, so that's like the one, the one place where I think there is like a little bit of a hint of concern. Um, and just the, the fact that, yeah, I mean, even at 96, 97, they're, they're spitting on, you know, the fastball. They're not, you know, they're not taking it back. You know, it looks like 94 to them when it's 96. So, mm-hmm. but none of that necessarily surprises me. I mean, he, he was always a guy who I didn't think had a good enough fastball to be the one, one. And I, I just want to see him, you know, trust his secondary pitches and just start junk balling people to death. And if he has to pitch backwards more than people would like to see from a guy, his age with that, you know, velocity potential, he may just have to go with that. So, you know, these guys have, have their struggles, um, even the, even the top guys and, you know, he may have just been slightly overvalued because people were, you know, so impressed by how major league ready he looked in college and the fact that he had a double plus splitter, which you just don't see very often. I mean, people were losing their minds about that pitch. And from what we've seen, you know, he has days when it's on and it is just unhittable and, and just evil. And then other days he's, he's just spiking it left and right and can't depend on it. So, um, you know, that, that's not enough. Yeah, <laughs> splitter, yeah. splitter is not a splitter is not a, a number one pitch for anybody. It's, it's really hard to live off a splitter and pitch off yep. of it with everything he's, else. He's not able to throw that with the same frequency that he's accustomed to back in the day. And, and, and he was, you know, he was, again, no fault of his own kind of build as this guy who was almost a finished product. Like he yeah. wasn't your traditional one, one where it was just like this supreme physical talent. He was, he was seen as just a guy who wasn't going to need a ton of development, which yeah. you can kind of look in retrospect and be like, well, most people need <laughs> some form of development before they can pitch in the, effectively in the major leagues. And so, yeah, he's going through some of that right now. Um, but it's weird to see a ninth round pick like Tarek Skubal come in and, and it's just yeah. blowing people away. So I, I can see why people are concerned about Mize and it's rightfully so, but the the floor for Mize was, it was usually like, he's going to be a number three, no matter what. Right. Yeah, right. And that's probably still valid. Like he's going to be a middle of the rotation guy at some point. Yep. And if things, you know, if things take, take care of themselves and he, he's able to clean up some of these issues, then yeah, you, you, you know, you may well still have yourself a number two starter who just isn't, you know, captain durable, but who is anymore, you know, not a lot of 200 inning guys out there um, these days. It's a good result. We'll take yeah. that result. Yeah, that would be absolutely fine. And, you know, and you look back at that, to that start with the Phillies and, you know, I mean, you throw an O2 fastball to Bryce Harper belt high, you know, with a runner on base. Like, I mean, some of that is just, you know, <laughs> like I don't know what they were thinking there, uh, but one way or the other, you know, you can't miss there. And and some of that is um, some some guys who are too fine. I think maybe even you know don't learn to miss where they need to miss because they don't expect to miss. Everybody misses, you know. Um, even the even the best 
command guys out there are missing their target by 10, 12 inches on every pitch. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So some of that is just, just feeling his way. Um, there's been enough whiffs there where I'm, I'm still not too discouraged. Um, I, I will admit that they're all right. I have a concern, but I, yeah, but at this point it is, it is like one of those things that you just sort of put on the billboard and like, all right, or we're going to, you're on the, uh, the blackboard and we're just going to keep an eye on that for now. You know, we'll put it in the, on the back burner and see how he goes. Do you think he's, um, he's, he's going to be Toledo bound though? At this yeah, point? I think so. Yeah, I, I, I kind of so. think so too. It's pretty hard to imagine. Which is fine. And we can sort some of this other stuff out with the other guys at the major league level. Somebody's going to get hurt. Yeah. And somebody's going to underperform and he'll, he'll have his opportunity again. But you mentioned him as the final guy. The final, final guy is Michael Fulmer. Yeah. The, yeah. There you <laughs> go. That's true. I, I may have given up there a little, too, a little too soon, but yeah, that's, the, that is kind of the problem. Um, and I, I know you're a big fan of Michael Fulmer. I, I love the guy like, you know, in his best years, he was just so much fun to watch. Seems like a great person. We have a lot, we have a problem with that on the Tigers um, staff because they have a lot of great dudes that you want to root for who are, uh, who are just things have not gone the way you want. But um, yeah, when you're looking at Michael Fulmer right now, what are you thinking? It doesn't look good. doesn't no. look good. I, I, I had high hopes for him. I, I, I've been a Michael Fulmer bullpen guy for a while. So yeah. I, I was hoping that he would be fully recovered from Tommy John and come out pumping 97 like we saw before he got hurt in spells. And I, I always thought he was a high leverage reliever, but yeah, it doesn't look like he's got that in the tank. Even if he, even if we cut him down to twenty pitches, like go out and just give me everything you got. It doesn't look like he's got that. He can't command it, obviously, right now. So yeah. he looks destined for Toledo, and um, they they've got to they've got to make that decision on him sooner or later too, because uh, like fifteen days into the season or something, he gets a right of refusal and can yep. say, "Hell no, I'm not going to Toledo." Yep, exactly. <laughs> so, he gets I, uh, five years of service time for people out there listening. Yeah, that's that's the rule, and he'll reach that in yeah, in mid-April. So the Tigers, I mean, you only get one chance probably to option him and, and try some things, and they've got they've just got to take that opportunity. Um, yeah, it's hard it's hard to know what to do with him because I I really wish I'd seen him, and and I think maybe the Tigers have been a little bit careful um, to keep him off some of the broadcasts because you know the, the question with him is what do his mechanics look like you know last year he was sort of um hopping you know basically onto his onto his front side to avoid putting too much pressure on his knee and, and stretching the right knee out um supposedly that's changed and you know they, they've kind of just shortened the stride up to make it a little easier for him um, i'd like to see that in action but yeah i mean typically tommy john guys when things go well most of the velocity is back by now like you know it you know, you might have a, a few, you know, a few months when you're, you're working your way back in your rehab outings where it's not quite there. And then eventually it just snaps into place. And maybe, maybe that will still happen, but the, um, the need just remains the, the, you know, the kind of the fly in the ointment. If it was just his arm, I'd be willing to give him more time. You know, I was willing to give Trevor Rosenthal, you know, a, a lot longer than the Tigers did Al. Um, mm. But of course he was pumping 99 already by that point. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, it's just hard. It's hard to envision a way in which Michael Fulmer kind of becomes like a, a touch and feel guy, because even in his best years, he didn't really have like a plus secondary pitch at all. Like maybe the change up in 2016 when he really had that feel for it, but you know, since then it hasn't been as good. And the slider has always been pretty average. You know, when you're throwing 90, you know, 95 to 98 with two different fastball types and just an aggressive, just monster on the mound with huge extension, you know, pumping it on people's hands all the time, your slider looks a lot better. <laughs> you know, guys are, are not worrying about the slider when they're hitting against you and uh, a pitch like yeah. that can play up. But um, 
I don't, I don't know the, the slider as a, as a pitch on its own has actually looked better to me than since he got back. Like it has a little bit more depth, I think, than it used to, but, um, but with everything else around it going to hell, it's, it, it's just not enough. Um, I, so I, I thought, yeah, my, Michael Fulmer at his best to me would be like Buck Farmer on steroids, just like fastball change up throw me some sliders once in a while he's throwing this curveball now i guess right yeah. but um yeah i i loved michael fulmer's change up at his best was he a great arm action and just got that kind of violent delivery yeah, and i thought that would play it. really yeah but it it he's he's destined for toledo to start this season i hope he can hope he can put it together yeah like you said good dude yeah great dude um yeah. And yeah, it's just really hard to know what to, what to say about what you would try to do. I, you know, I remember looking at his curveball like two years ago and just looking at the metrics on it. Cause he would eventually, you know, he'd occasionally just break it out on someone. Um, usually a lefty and try to steal a strike and it actually had really good metrics. So, I mean, you never know, maybe he'll find something there, but to embark on the road of becoming, yeah, like, like a stuff guy is a, is a, is a long road and, and just a very different thing. Um, he can spend all year in Toledo trying to, trying to relearn how to pitch um, if, if that's sort of the paradigm for him now. So, I mean, there's not much else to do, but just sort of watch how it goes, but yeah, it's uh it's been disappointing. I, I was hoping he would at least have the gas this spring and give him that, that bullpen option possibly, especially since, as I've mentioned five times already, we just don't really have a whole lot in the way of right-handed relievers. who I'm real comfortable with, you know, it's, it's, it's narrow and yeah, a bunch of questions. <laughs> so, yeah, not, not too many guys can like, be Frank Tanana and go from being a flamethrower to like a crafty, yep. <laughs> you know, junk baller. Yeah. And Fulmer doesn't seem like a, a junk baller type. He no. can't, he can't live at 91, 92, especially if he, if he doesn't, if he doesn't throw it where he wants to throw it. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's, it's not his mentality even, you know, it's, it's gotta be just uncomfortable to, to have to pitch in a, in a very different headspace as well. Not just, you know, like all oh, my stuff isn't as good, but also like you can't, you know, all your pitch selection has to change. Like all the way you think about attacking hitters has to be different. So yeah, that's a whole reinvention that is impossible to, uh, to sort of forecast how that might go. Um, all right, let's try to switch things over to the position player side for a bit um, and talk about, um, you know, that slow lumbering, useless defender, Itzhak Paredes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i've uh you know i've i've definitely been someone who was a little bit less excited about uh parades as a defender than, than most people i mean i really have always felt like there is just so much pressure on his bat because i don't really see him as an average defender at third or at second and i still don't really feel any differently um about that to be honest like he's uh i think he's proven that he he's gonna go out there and he can play either position acceptably at the major league level and isn't going to be a, a like a problem he's not gonna be a problem for you but i still don't think there's going to be any real value there um and you know it all kind of comes down to still like how much is he going to hit and is he going to start putting some more balls over the fence so um all right i'll, I'll turn it over to you what do you what do you got for me and feel free to mock me no that's all right <laughs> i i see because i've never had any concerns about Paredes defense i mean he's he's got to me, good hands, good reflexes, strong, accurate arm. I don't really have a scout's eye for range. Maybe like that's his ultimate weakness. Right. But to me, he's he also looks smart. Like, he's a smart player, I, I think, too. He makes the right call almost all the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think he I think he's perfectly adequate at third base and um perfectly I mean, 
he plays second base if you need him to play second. I don't know if you want him to be your everyday second baseman. I don't know. Yeah. I like him at third base the best. Right. His, is, his arm is probably the best, you know, the best tool he's got defensively. But, it, you know, he does have good hands too. But, yeah, I mean, he's got the arm for third base. Yeah, he, he charges the ball pretty well to me, throws on the run pretty well to me. Um, everybody's got a different preference on where they want Isaac, Isak, Isak <laughs> Paredes, I still say Isaac, yeah, where they right. want him to play or where they think he should play. For me, I think he I think he's ideal at third base, but I, I love Jamer over at third base. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I also know, like Jamer at first base, um, to be honest. Like, you know, obviously there's a, there's a, you know, you get dinged for defensive value by being at first base, but I think oftentimes it's the first base defense is, is still just under underrated, you know, like if you have a good defender at first base, I love that. I love a guy who's going to handle the ball all the time, you know, who's got good hands can throw and and knows what he's doing over there and can, you know, can spear balls going down the line. Um, yeah. I'm not going to be real excited to see Miggy out there. I can tell you that like, you know, it's fun to see Miggy. Um, you love Miggy. Maybe at first place, you know, messing with everyone is great, but um, yeah, it's, that's less than ideal. So, I mean, I like Jamer at third base as well. I mean, he's, he's a good third base, third baseman. Uh, that, that would be ideal as if Nunez can play first, you know, Jamer plays third and then, yeah, maybe you, by trying Paredes at second, you can at least find ways to mix him in to some of those other, other spots, mm-hmm. but it all just comes down to the bat, doesn't it? Uh, for sock. Yeah. And, and he kind of came out this spring, he was hitting ropes. Um, he, he, he was hitting a lot of Adam balls. He wasn't getting rewarded for a yeah. lot of good swings. And I think the you know, I don't know the past 10, 12 plate appearance or something. He's, he feels like, I feels like he's just missing. It feels yeah. like he's just missing things. I think he's on it. I think he's seeing the ball well. Um, but he, he's not having great results this spring, but I think Hinch likes him. I think Hinch likes the bat. I think the bat's going to play in a utility role this year. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I think he's, I think he's going to make the team, especially could, I don't know, Nico, man. Yeah. Nico's a mess. He is Nico's a, mess, a mess right now. He does so many other things that we've talked about many times that add value to your baseball team, but you got to put the ball in play and he's not, these aren't quality strikeouts. There's good strikeouts and bad strikeouts. And these are bad strikeouts for right now for Nico. Yeah. I mean, there've been, there've been some like, is are his eyes closed type strikeouts where he's, he's just committing and swinging, you know, before the ball's out of hand. Um, it looks like, and it's a problem because one thing about Paredes is that he's not going to play the outfield. Um, he doesn't have the range to do that. Nico does. Nico's probably the best defensive shortstop. But, uh, you know, and to be even even swinging the bat this poorly, Nico probably still offers more for what this team needs than Harold Castro or Greg Garcia does. So I could still see them taking, you know, Goodrum and Paredes. But um, but right now, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to leave Paredes at AAA. Like, I, don't, I just don't I mean, I kind of felt like this when he was and this has kind of been my problem with Paredes is that he's looked like the same hitter since he was, you know, 18, 19 years old. Um you know, it, it's weird to say that, you know, that's a flaw that he's been good for that long, but he just hasn't really seemed to like change his approach or, or develop it that much. He's just sort of matched it to the pitching he's seen at each level. Um, and, and that's where I'd kind of like to see just, you know, he's almost a little bit too patient. Like you, you'd like to see him hunt some fastballs first pitch and bomb on some guys once in a while, because, you know, he'll, he'll take a couple pitches that he probably could drive. And then he'll also take a couple close pitches and you'll be like, God damn, the eye is good. 
And then all of a sudden he's in a tough count and he just, you know, he'll just line a single to right or, you know, put the ball on the ground. And I mean, they're very professional at bats and I'm sure, um, I'm sure Hinch is looking at that that way. Like, you know, this is a guy who obviously knows what he's doing up there. Um, he's got the reactions, the hands and, and the mental ability to, to set in there against tough major league pitchers and, and give you a solid at bat. Um, but to play those positions in the major leagues, you've either got a, you know, OBP over 350 or you've got to hit 25 home runs plus to be, to be a regular. Um, and I, and I still, I'm still a little bit unsure whether or not he's going to get to that point, but it's pretty hard to imagine them leaving him off the roster right now. If, if they're serious, you know, if they're going to look everybody in the eye and say, we're going to take the best 26 man roster with a few exceptions, because obviously Manning, you know, I mean, you don't want to start his service clock when he's only going to throw 110 innings or something this year anyway. Um, you know, there's some concerns like that, but it's pretty hard to leave Paredes off this roster and, and tell them that you're taking the best hitters north. So, yeah, yeah. And it, it, I, I get what you're saying about him just being kind of this. If we feel like he's been around forever now, and since he came up from Lakeland, uh, it's eerie and he looks like the same guy. He didn't, he didn't have physical projection. Yeah, in him, he's just, he looks physically the same, and and his his swing looks the same, his approach looks the same, and that's all good because those were all good things, uh, good attributes. But it, I think it's also relevant. He's still 21 years old. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I, I I do believe there's genuine power in him that maybe he does need a full season at Toledo before he starts to access that. I don't know. I I want sock on the Tigers because I yeah. love him. Yeah. <laughs> And I think he's a terrific hitter and I think he can hit at the major league level, but maybe, you know, sometimes the power, they don't learn how to access it. Even if there's no physical projection remaining in him, it's about learning how to elevate the ball and and to use his hit tool to, to, to maximize his power potential that would make him a viable second baseman slash third baseman. Yeah. Two hole hitter. Yeah. And it's, and, and it might just be about hunting, you know, hunting the right pitches more often. And, and sometimes that can just come down to, to you know, to learning the, the pitchers better. Um, if he could, you know, if he could just ambush five guys for five extra home runs a year, you're probably, you know, you're probably there. I mean, if you gave him 600 plate appearances this year, I'd, I'd expect him to hit 15 home runs, um, probably bat 275, you know, walk nine, 10% of the time. Um, that would all be just fine. Um, that would be fine. So yeah, it's just tough, you know, like, he didn't seem to learn how to do that at double a um, or, or in the a ball levels. And I don't know if going to triple a is going to, going to help him that much that way either. He may just need to be challenged against the best pitchers in the game and, you know, and, and just given enough time to figure it out. Cause I, I tend to think he will as well. Um, some dudes can just hit. Um, I think it was, it was a Gibby who put the graphic up the other day that was just like his note on him was hitterish. And uh, yeah, he, he is, he's always been hitterish and, uh, and he still looks like it. He knows what he's doing up there. Um, he's got, he's got a great eye. I, I just think maybe sometimes he, def, you know, he's a little bit too defensive because he knows that if he gets down two strikes, he can still put the ball in play. Um, and, and, you know, nobody wants him to draw walks. They want, they want him to find the right pitch, pitch to ambush. So, yeah, you kind of want, and the other thing too is about having this coaching staff is that you kind of want the most talented guys working with them um, full-time, you know, I'm not, not trying to slag on whoever's, you know, coaching at Toledo or, or Erie this year, but, um, you know, they, they've kind of got themselves some rock star coaches here and you kind of like to see most of these guys working with them. So, yeah. 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 And that, that approach you described, described about not caring about having two strikes on you. It's a very Miguel Cabrera, Victor yeah. Martinez type mentality where like, 
I'm, I, I don't, I don't mind being behind two strikes. I'm waiting until I can get something I can bludgeon. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it would benefit sock to be around Miguel as much as possible. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I think you are absolutely right. Like, um, you know, I mean, Miguel will flat out, you know, if, if he's talking to you, he might just tell you what to do in the dugout. You know, Just like, look for this pitch, swing at it, you know, cause yeah, you know, he, yeah. I, I mean, I just don't think there's, there's too much concern. Like we're, we're just going to let Paredes run. Um, like you say, he's only 21. He's, you know, he seems like he's going to hit. So let him hit, you know, let find him some good matchups, you know, let him, let him learn with the major league club and work with cool ball and Jose Cruz jr. Which is another interesting, interesting hire. Um, if, if we were going to do a whole segment on the, on the farm system, we'd have to, we have to talk about the, the Cruz family lineage a little bit, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty interesting, but um, yeah. So o- overall, I think we all like, we both like Paredes being in there. Um, let's real quick, like the outfield. Okay. Cause here's, here's where things get tricky is whether or not you're going to carry five outfielders. Um, we both want Badu. Um, we both know that I mean, Grabby Grossman's going to play left field pretty much every day. Um, they, you know, that was the first, multi-year signing that they've made since Jay up. So um, they obviously like him. I like Robbie Grossman. I, I like that signing. Um, I think there's pretty good value there. And, you know, you don't want Mazzara in right field necessarily every day because um, he's not, not great over there, but, you know, he's going to play. So then it comes down to, you know, you've got Victor Reyes and Jacoby Jones. And where, where do you see both those two guys right now? Uh, Jacoby uh, has had a kind of a brutal spring. Um, it's, as Mr. It's Mr. Not- Rash keeps up blowing in my ear about it but yeah it's it's not been good it's not looked good he he put one good swing on garrett cole the other day mm-hmm. um but otherwise he 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 look kind of looks like jacoby of old where he has a hard time identifying spin but that's spring training jacoby's been around for a long time so yep. i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt yeah yep. <laughs> and 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 you know i victor reyes has options I, i'm all about putting victor reyes in toledo yeah. And giving Akil Badu uh, April as the fourth outfielder um, and somebody gets hurt. Victor Reyes first guy up, obviously. So, yeah, that, I mean, that's where I am. Yeah, no, <laughs> that, no. that's probably an unpopular opinion with a lot of Tigers fans because Victor Reyes has a nice batting average. He he does some things right. Mm-hmm. He plays he plays a serviceable outfield. He runs well. He does some things, but. He's, he's not, he's not a guy I want in my everyday lineup and we have to carry Badu. So, and I think it's silly to carry five outfielders right now. I don't know. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't see how you carry, how you, do you take five outfielders North? Like, I mean, if you, if you're taking Badu, he's going to need to play too. Like, you know, you're going to have to play him to some degree. And I mean, the dude is fast. He can run. I don't, I don't have too much concern about him playing, you know, pretty solid defense at any of the outfield positions um, other than right field. Yeah. The, the arm isn't good. Um, you know, that, that can be dealt with, um, AJ Hinch is, is real big on the relay and, uh, and you just see him like hounding people about like the fine details of relay plays. Uh, whenever I see little clips of camp and stuff like that, he's, he's been on some people about that stuff. They all are, of course, I don't want to, uh, sing AJ Hinch's praises too much here, but yeah, I mean, you know, there are ways to deal with that. So the point being that, yeah, Badu has got to be out there and I, I feel the same way. Like I, I'm not ready to give up on Jacoby Jones, um, you know, the, ever since he, he lowered his hands and, and changed his stance, he's he's looked like a different hitter to me. He's looked like a lot more like, okay, this guy's probably a league average hitter who's going to have some hot streaks, you know, per season where he looks really good. He's going to have some cold streaks, but 
he's he's definitely a different hitter than he was like in 2017 2018 um and yeah i'm I'm gonna be willing to give him some time but i would also say that jacoby jones is kind of getting to that point in his career where if something doesn't break out i i'm not gonna miss him either you know it it might come time to to cut ties and just flip him for nothing you know to to some team and let him you know let him go play for a better team and be their fourth outfielder and Mm -hmm. you know and see if anybody else can do something for him um you know he's I think he turns 29 this year. Um, the, these things go quick with players. You know, it feels like he just got here, you know, a couple of years ago, but, uh, but pretty quickly you find yourself, you know, old and, and looking like a guy no one really wants anymore. I'm sure Robbie Grossman can relate to, to how that goes and how that switches real quick on you sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll add this and, and Garash isn't going to like this either. Cause he hates when I talk about service time for s- seemingly inconsequential players, but it's really <laughs> not about service time with Victor Reyes. But if Victor Reyes plays, uh, half a season plus whatever. I don't know how many days exactly he has. Yeah. He's arbitration eligible after this year. Yeah. And that's not a lot of money. That's not a meaningful amount of money. But if you've got a Nomar Mazara that you're hoping has a resurgent year of some sort and you can flip him at the deadline, why not put Vic Reyes down in Toledo? You don't accumulate those days of service time. If you don't know if Victor Reyes is a guy you even want around, yeah. you can defer that decision. You don't have to, you don't have to make that decision. You can stash him down in Toledo for a little bit and you don't have to take him to arbitration and saves Mr. Illich a couple hundred thousand dollars or whatever. Um, so, and I think, I think these decisions come into play about that type of stuff more than we talk about. <laughs> it's yeah. not just about whether Victor Reyes belongs on the field. We want Nomar Mazar out there. We want him showcased for the rest of the league. If we're trying to trade him in July. Right. So, and put, it's, this, put this guy down here. Yeah. And I mean, and that kind of talk can be frustrating because Detroit is still like an, an old school fan base, you know, like for all of us who've wanted the Tigers to operate more like the Rays, you know, or the Dodgers, for example, this, this is how they operate. Even the Dodgers with all their money are, you know, are counting every couple hundred thousand and weighing that against, you know, how much better is this guy than that guy? Like it's, it comes down to, you know, pretty granular detail these days. Um, you know, you can't go to your owner and tell you, tell them, well, like, oh, I pissed away 500 grand on that guy, but you know, whatever, like our total payroll is 200 million, you know, like nobody, nobody wants to hear that anymore. Baseball has, has definitely changed, um, you know, in terms of the, the intensity of the accounting that goes on, I think. Yeah. And if, 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 you know, you're not worried about Victor Reyes, but if you're in a quandary and you have to make a decision, maybe that's the type of thing that pushes you over the edge. Right. And a lot of times that is it. It's sort of like, that's the decision maker when we can't make a decision, you know, or we're not, not sure. I mean, I think there's also an argument that it might be good for Victor Reyes because, um, you know, if he's going to become like a bona fide, like major league regular, he's stuck, he's going to have to find some way to get to a little bit more power, you know, n- nothing crazy. Um, he's got speed. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a plus defender, you know, probably by, by a slim margin um, at most outfield positions. There's, there's plenty to like there, um, but he's also a guy who has really, you know, gotten pretty yoked the past couple of years and isn't taking advantage of it. And you kind of wonder if, you know, going down to Toledo and trying to mash on some of those guys might unlock a little something for him. Whereas at the major league level, he's, you know, he's really kind of resigned himself to just, you know, slap and dash type of uh, style of kidding. So yeah, it might, it might benefit all around. Um, not to mention that you're going to have, you know, Manning and, um, you know, maybe Casey Mize and some of these guys down there at Toledo with uh, Daz Cameron, Derek Hill and Victor Reyes in the outfield, <laughs> which is uh, man, that's a pitcher's friend right there. You got to like that. Man, what do you do with Jacob Robson and Danny Woodrow? 
Yeah. You, you hang on to, to Jake Robson because <laughs> there's just a little bit more sock in that bat. And I, uh, and I, I don't want to quite give up on it until he's ready to give up on it. So, all right. Yeah. We can hang on to him for a little while until, yeah. until there's reason to let him go. Okay. I like Danny Woodrow. I mean, uh, you got, how can you not root for Danny Woodrow? But I, but yeah, I think um, maybe he should go to Japan or something. <laughs> go, go live a little bit, travel, see the world. Danny Woodrow. Come on, brother. You have a good time out there. Absolutely. Yeah. So Jim Aducci style. Yeah. To tur- all right. To take it all the way back to the beginning. Now, what would, uh, what would a successful 2021 Detroit Tiger season look like to you in, in any fashion? You don't have to give me like the record or anything like that. Just, um, you know, what, what are you hoping for? Uh, well, I mean, I, I figured you might ask me about win count. Yeah. And Oh, feel free. <laughs> the, well, the thing is like they, they, they aren't going to win too many games because if things start going too well, that means that guys are overperforming or performing well, and they're going to get traded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yep. we're not going to win a lot of games, yep. no matter what. Um, and that's, I think we're okay with that. Um, to me, wow. I don't even know how to define success for the Tigers anymore. I've I mean, it still comes the- down to development, right? Like this is another yeah. development year. You just want to see the young guys, you know, play well more than anything. I mean, we're going to have to, we're going to have to make some, this we're at the point where we have to make some real decisions about guys, Jake yeah. Rogers, like Jake Rogers mm-hmm. is Jake Rogers. A guy is Daz Cameron, a guy yeah. like by the, by the end of the season, we need to kind of weed out some of these, wait till the kids get there type guys that we've been yeah. saying for three years. All right. Well, they've been here. They haven't performed Kristen Stewart. They, that decision looked like it looked like it's about to be made. Right. Right. So I mean, Nico could end up in that, that category. Yeah, Nico, like, you know, That might yeah. be another guy who was just a placeholder. Yep. It's, it's going to be one at a time on a lot of these guys. Uh, sock. Per, yeah. I mean, he's still, like we said, he's 21, but like, all right, you're at the, you're at the major league level now, son. Yep. Um, Willie Castro. We haven't even talked about Willie. Yeah. Like, is Willie going to be a shortstop? I don't know. Yeah, I'd like to know. I'd like to know by the, I'd like to know by the all-star break. Yeah. Willie's a shortstop. Yep. Yep. And whether or not, you know, Jamer can keep it going as well. Like that is a good point. Like both of those two guys are probably, you know, the, the key bats in, in the lineup this year, because they're the ones with team control who are still inexpensive and can be part of the, the future. Um, you know, like if Nomar Mazzara is good, well, all right, well, he's probably gone, you know, or I don't know, maybe they extend him or something, but um, but yeah, it's, it's those two bats that, uh, that, that are really going to define whether or not we're sort of in the range where they could start building something. Um, but if Willie Castro and Jamer Candelaria both have terrible seasons at the plate, like, you know, we're at ground zero, um, as far as the offense goes at that point, you know, you, you really don't have anything, um, mm-hmm. you know, you might have torque and green next year, but that's still likely to be it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. It's just, it's, it just comes down to trying to answer questions, um, trying to answer questions about the younger guys this, this year and, and see, and getting to know Hinch and Fetter and um, Coolba and, and kind of how those guys are going to operate, like what kind of decision-making they make. Um, I, you know, I think we probably, you felt this too, like it got real confident with, um, with the way, with being able to anticipate what Ron Gardenhire was going to think about certain situations. And um that's just not the case anymore. And it's also made me more laid back because I just have a lot more confidence that, you know, okay, I know AJ Hinch, you know, knows way more than I do. And uh, okay, whatever they decide, I'll, I'll be, I'm okay with, you know, we'll see what happens. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot of, a lot of still questions. Uh, I kind of think like it wouldn't shock me if the Tigers pitching staff was actually surprisingly good this year. 
Um, you know, when you get three, you know, however you want to rank them, like three clear top 50 prospect pitchers who are already, you know, at the major league level or right on the cusp of it, you have to expect that those, one of those guys is going to have a good year. Like you, you should, um, you know, the Tigers are selling us that that's the future right there. Those three guys and, and Torque and Green. And so if, the, if they're not, you know, if the Tigers aren't willing to invest based on those three guys getting here now, you know, I, I don't know what to tell the fans as far as, you know, how confident they should be. And, and that's just one way to look at it. There's still the actual process of, of getting good and, and learning to pitch at the major league level. But, you know, those three guys are here now. Um, you've got a lot of depth um, as far as starting goes. You don't have, you don't really have a number one, a number two, uh, or, or, or maybe a real number three, um, the way the rest of the league would, would kind of rank those, those things. And that's kind of a, a vague construct anyway, but, um, but yeah, you know, like if those three guys, you know, come up and are, are at least, you know, solid major league pitchers for parts of the season, the pitching staff should be kind of good. I just don't see where, um, where there's going to be enough offense coming. It's just really hard to, to kind of see, even hoping and, and believing in Willie and, and Jamer, like you just don't really know where there's going to be a whole lot of offense. It's kind of Robbie Grossman, maybe those two guys. And then you hope someone else hits well, Ramos as well. Um, we'll probably have a better hitting catcher than we've seen in quite a while. So do you think, do you think Robbie Grossman's a, a bona fide leadoff hitter? I don't think he's like the ideal leadoff hitter just because he's not that fast, but, uh, but yes, otherwise I, I do think Robbie Grossman gives you a pretty tough AB. Um, you know, he's a switch hitter, which helps the Tigers have a lot of switch hitters, which is another thing that'll be kind of interesting to, um, to see how Hinch plays with them in the lineup. Um, but yeah, I, I like Grossman there. Okay. Um, I, I don't, I thought about Willie there a bit just because you got the speed, you got the ability to maybe ambush, you know, a pitcher here and there in, in some games. But, um, I think I'm pretty good with, with Grossman, Castro, Candelario, and then you probably go like Miggy and then Nunez, Mazzara in some fashion before getting to the rest of the lineup, you know, the back mm-hmm. three guys. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. All right. Yeah. Yeah, Scope, Ramos, and Jacoby bringing up the rear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, maybe you could put Scope fifth just because he's, you know, he's, he's more likely to get the hit for you. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's going to be a problem this year, I'm afraid. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen a whole lot this spring that gave me uh, gave me any encouragement the way the uh, the big missiles off Garrett Cole did last spring. I don't know. Right. We'll see how it goes. Miggy, Miggy's unpredictable. I thought Miggy was done three years ago and he still flashes every now and then. You just kind of, I don't know what to expect out of him. Best yeah. shape of his life though, I heard. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Looks amazing, you know, having a good time, <laughs> big smile on his face. Yeah, he did actually, uh, you know, he did have that hot stretch to end last year. So yeah, it's it's just kind of, there's, there's not really much point talking about him. You just, you just take what you can get and hope for some good moments and uh, hope maybe he can, he can tip out 500 home runs this year and 3000 hits. That'd be cool to see that all kind of happen. Although I suspect it will probably take till next year. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Yeah. What about Bo Burrows? Ooh, boy. You know, I kind of burned myself on this and th- this is, a. Uh, I don't know, Adam Dubbin and I were talking about this earlier. Like this is the flaw with, with putting together your top 30 prospects list before spring training starts when you're, you know, you're just totally kind of guessing on what might've happened over the past year. Um, I, you know, I kind of talked everybody into putting Burroughs back on the list. Like I was like, you know, he's going to get the looks like he's, you know, he's, if, if anything is going well for him, he's going to get a, a full chance to, to show what he's got at the major league level. So let's just keep him on there for one more year. If it doesn't work out, he gone. And boy, it has, uh, it, it just, it's just not there anymore. You know, um, trying to think back to when it sort of all started unraveling and it was like late 2018, but then, you know, 2019, just, just kind of that rash of injuries. 
and pretty soon he wasn't even throwing, you know, 93, 94 anymore. And, and that's what we're seeing now is, you know, a lot of, a lot of 90, 92 um, with still just like kind of a slightly above average breaking ball when he's going good, but that's, yeah, there's just not much there. Um, it wasn't another, that was another pick. I didn't really like at the time because it just didn't look like there was that much to project there. And unfortunately, like, you know, it, it just has sort of played out that way. He's just sort of been the, the same guy until the wheels started to come off. Never really got that much better. So, you know, he'll go down to Toledo and um, he and Joe Jimenez can commiserate, and, you know, and grunt in the bullpen and try to try to find a couple ticks back on the fastball. But, um, but yeah, I, I, both of them kind of look like they're in the, the same place developmentally right now. Like, you know, it's just, just guys who had more than they do now when they were young and it's just gone the wrong way. And you see those guys, you know, fairly regularly among pitchers. So, yeah, I don't know how you feeling about it. Do you think there's any, any chance left? Cause I, I kind of don't. No, and, I, and obviously don't. Funkhauser, you know, obviously Funkhauser is just pretty much done too. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've never been high on Funkhauser, but yeah, no, I feel the same way. And I think it's, I think it's probably what's going to happen to Joe is I bet, you know, they, they pull him down to Toledo and the first opportunity we have to call somebody up, if he's performing well at Toledo, he'll get called up, he'll get shelled in two or three outings. And then yeah. <laughs> that'll be the last time we see Joe Jimenez in the Tigers uniform. Yep. And then we'll see if the Rays, uh, real, how bad the Rays really like that stuff. <laughs> it was always the rumor, you know, cause Joe, Joe just ha- he has those fastball metrics, you know, or did that, uh, that are just super attractive to the Rays and kind of the, the mirrored spin on the breaking ball. And, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, maybe that would be the best for him would just be to try, yeah, try something great. else. Yeah. You think, um, I mean, Joe Jimenez has always seemed like a guy who does work really hard. I mean, do you, do you kind of buy into that, that this is, I mean, this is just physical or do you think he's, you know, he's kind of gotten more out of shape. He's never really been able to sort of keep the weight down, um, which isn't necessarily key for a late innings reliever. Like, you know, there's plenty of big guys who, you know, who still have more athleticism than it might look like, but um, you know, he just, yeah, I don't know. It's just been like a slow degradation every year where he was, you know, 97, 98, and then he was 96, 97, and then, you know, 95 and here we are. Uh, I mean, he's 26 years old. Like yeah. I, it, his body shouldn't be falling apart. Um, but I don't know how you lose four miles an hour unless something has happened. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's, that can't be explained. And he was, he was like 97 with the super elite extension. Yeah. So it looked like 102 coming at you that year he made the all-star team. Uh, but now it's 93 looking like a beach ball. Yeah. And, um, that there's no there's no bite on the slider he's just throwing center cut 93 it's it's bizarre yeah. so who knows yeah. i have no idea yeah pitching is weird and and arms are weird um but like a lot of guys he, he's up against it and i guess that's that's another theme that we've kind of developed here through this conversation there's there's a lot of guys who are finally at that sort of dis- decision making point where not just for the Tigers, but for themselves, like they're going to have to decide, like, am I going to reinvent myself? Am I going to, you know, commit in some kind of, you know, more intense way to, to getting better again, because maybe I cruised for a little bit. Maybe I didn't, you know, work as hard as I needed to for a couple of years. Like all these guys are sort of up against it. And yeah, I mean, at a certain point, like you, you just kind of have to break guys sometimes. Like sometimes that's the only way, to, you know, that a guy either, bounces back and, and figures it out or, or realizes that it's time to move on. It's just to sort of push them to their breaking point and, and see what happens. So yeah, maybe you send, you know, you, you take Burroughs 
if if they even send Funkhauser to AAA, which I don't even know, and Jimenez down there and just, you know, and just tell him, you know, you, you guys are either going to have to figure something out or this is the end. Um, and we don't like to, you know, they don't put it to you that way. Uh, but if you're smart, you know that that's what that means. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Part of the game. Yeah, it is. It's a hard game. Played by hard men. <laughs> All right. I except, except, except Daniel Norris. Except Daniel Norris, no, who's, who's just a beautiful <laughs> human. Hey, you know, Matt Boyd as well. You know, like who more charitable individual than Matt Grayson Boyd? Grayson Griner, you know? all of them. Yep, yeah. There's a lot of good dudes. There are. That's why I was talking about it that way. Yep. I know we, we could have a power ranking in terms of who's the who's the, the nicest tiger. <laughs> yeah, Nico was man of the year, right? Yeah, yep, yep. Out there delivering water to Flint left and right. You know, you'd love to root for these guys. Um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of lot of likable guys, but yeah, a, a lot of guys who need to do something. A lot of, a lot of guys who uh, have a new manager to express who has standards that are quite a bit different than they're used to at this point. Good to have full season baseball back. So it at is. least we get to at least we get to talk about it and we'll get to see it play out. So I'm excited about that. Yep. I mean, above, above all else, it's just, it's just great to, to kind of see the warm weather and see baseball on TV and to be getting back into something that resembles, you know, a little bit more normalcy. So, and if we can get those damn major leaguers out of Lakeland so we can get my minor leaguers down there and start yep. the minor league season, that'll be even better. Yeah, exactly. We can't, I mean, Keenan can't even get that excited yet because his season doesn't start for a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and i mean and i'd like to have you back to talk about that because we haven't even touched on that there's there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about um the farm system's going to be very fun to watch this year um i'm going to be over in, in west michigan quite a bit because it's going to be some big uh it's going to be some big bats over there you might see my boy kiter over there um you might see a dinso reyes over there maybe jose de la cruz um, if the, if things go well for those two um, wow there's going to be going to be some fun times Presumably got, those, those two last two will be at Lakeland for a while. I was going to say, you got some aggressive assignments for our international free agents from a couple of years ago, but yeah, yeah that'd yeah. be nice to see those guys end up in West Michigan at some point this year. Yeah. 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 West Michigan's going to be kind of a hot spot. there. Um, it should, should be fairly interesting to see. It's also just going to be interesting to see how they go about assigning these guys um, and, and how they evaluated, you know, wh- whatever work they were able to do this past off season. It's been interesting to see like Cody Clemens seems to be getting some love, um, you know, like, I would have thought Cody Clemens, you know, was just going to start right back out at double at double A uh, because he didn't look that good there um, in 2019 um, in his brief look. But, you know, the way things are looking right now, it looks like Cody's going to go into Toledo. And um, I don't know, it's not impossible. He could get a call up this year, which uh, yeah, I would not have predicted in 2019. Yeah. I, I was thinking earlier, like we're probably going to see some really bad minor league baseball in May. Like oh, yeah. who knows what some of these kids have been doing for the last year. <laughs> They've all been doing baseball activities right. of some sort. Right. But only a select few have been like participating in team sanction type stuff for guys that were at the alternate training site. But a lot of these minor leaguers have just been working out on their own. Yeah. And so who knows what happens when they get in a live game environment again, they're going to be kicking balls all over the place. There's going to be walks and wild pitches and all kinds of, it'll be fun. Yeah. But it, it might take a little while before for the for the quality of the game, even at low A level and GCL level, which yeah. is questionable at times anyway, to get <laughs> back to the standard that it, we're accustomed to seeing. Yeah. Yeah. This is all unprecedented. So yeah, it's gonna be uh gonna be pretty interesting. Pretty interesting to see how guys respond to it and um and yeah, and how the tigers you know try to manage this thing. We haven't um we haven't really gotten any kind of idea about what Kenny Graham is gonna be like as the new director of player development. Um, what kind of decisions he's going to make. Um, haven't seen much of what Dan Hubs might, might be up to um, with the pitch design aspect. They've got, uh, oh God, 
I forgot the, the new the new hitting coach, the new minor league hitting coordinator from Driveline. I've forgotten his name, but anyway, there's that guy. Um, so yeah, <laughs> so you know, there's some new coaches down there. So yeah, you know, we're, we're all we're all looking for the Tigers' development system to uh, to turn a corner here and start doing a little bit better. Um, we, we should play a game where you just pick like eight, you know, eight college infielders drafted in, in the past two years and, um, and, and just track, you know, can one of these guys break out? <laughs> can they, can they finally turn someone like Andre Lipschitz or, you know, yeah. Cody Clevens or Ryan Kreidler, Nick Quintana, yeah, Jack Kenley, all, all these guys, like can one of these guys that they've spent like a, a two through a six pick on um, for big programs, college infielders with good track records, they never seem to work out and uh, it, it would be nice to see them kind of make it happen for one of them. So that'll be another fun little storyline to watch, but um, for now I'll let you go. I really appreciate you uh, coming on, man. It's great to talk to you. Uh, we miss you. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be in touch all year and hopefully uh, maybe even have some kind of a get together uh, sometime this summer. Looking forward to it. Had a blast, Brandon. Thanks for having me. All right. Take it easy, brother. Right. See Good ya. night. Bye-bye.